At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Surprise, surprise, the Bulls drop another game on the road against a crap team. Yes, that is the state of the Chicago Bulls right now as you are listening to the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, and I am fed up with this Bulls team. But it wasn't surprising to see it go down. We talked about it. You couldn't bet this game. Rather, you couldn't bet on the Bulls before the announcement of DeRozan was not going to be playing. It was already going to be difficult. Announced your top guy, DeRozan, was out. No chance for the Bulls here. I was focused on March Madness. I really didn't want to get involved in this game because, of course, from a fan standpoint, yes, I want to have the Bulls win. I want to root for that. So if I was really trying to be objective, and I will from time to time, I'm not afraid to fade my own team, but I prefer to do it when they are crappier teams and not in playoff contention. But if I were someone else, I probably would have been like, yeah, how do you how do you not bet against the Bulls here? I think even after the DeRozan news, the Pelicans were still only a three-point favorite. Look, we could play hindsight, say this and that all day long, but at the end of the day, this Bulls team can't get it done. Okay, and I'm sick and tired of hearing the players keep talking. Yeah, well, we keep talking it, but we, we got to really actually go out there and do it. You keep talking it every time, though. That's the thing. You can keep saying you can't keep talking it and have to do it, but you literally keep doing that every single time. It's frustrating as hell, and there's no fire in this team, guys. There's not. I mean, Zach Levine dropping 39. Shout out to Zach Levine, okay? The only reason the Bulls were able to keep it close. 
and Kobe White after I roasted Kobe White for his lack of performance. He goes off for 23. But you know why? Because there was no DeMar DeRozan. Again, you can't have a full personnel with Kobe White going off. It has to be when he has to fill the void for someone else. It's uncanny. Watch the next game. They're going to have DeRozan. They're going to have Levine. They're going to have Patrick Williams and Caruso. And Kobe White's going to get like nine points at best. I'm telling you, it's what happens. But at least he contributed off of the bench. Tristan Thompson, four points and got ejected. All right, that did nothing. Uh, Patrick Williams, only two points, only took two shots. You need more from Patrick Williams in 17 minutes. Javante Green isn't a shooter, but he went two or three from the floor still at least and six rebounds with five points. Caruso actually did okay offensively with 11 points. Still not enough. Io DeSoup. What have I been telling you about Io, guys? I love Io. He's young. He'll get better. I get it. 0-3 from deep. He cannot hit his three-pointers, especially on the road. I don't know what it is. The only time he hits his threes is when the Bulls have momentum and they're in transition and he goes to the wing at the United Center and that's when he knocks it down. I'm telling you, that's like the only time he makes them. 2-8 of eight from the floor in 32 minutes. Io, my man. I get it. We're holding him to a higher standard. He was a second-round pick. Chicago's favorite. He's done great things when he needed to. I know, I know, I know. But those are the reasons they can't win these games. And not only that, they're getting creamed 126 to 109. You can't have two of your starters be in low single digits with four and five points respectively. The Pelicans had 6-7 and seven with some of their guys, but they also had McCollum getting 25 and Devontae Graham getting 30. The fact Graham is dropping 30 against you, holy hell, what is going on? That is disgusting. Valanchunas dropped 16. Solid performance from big guy. Vooch only gave you 16-9. and nine. Need better than that, Vooch. You need better than that when DeRozan ain't playing. Look at Devontae Graham in his game log, folks. Before the Bulls game, let's just go through the month of March right now. Okay. Versus Sacramento, three points. Sacramento stinks. Versus Utah, six points. Versus Denver, or at Denver, at Memphis, 12 points each. Seven versus a crap team in Orlando. 19, okay, versus a bad defense in Charlotte. Houston, terrible team, only 10. Phoenix, solid team, 10. San Antonio, 9. Charlotte, 2. Chicago, 30. Are you kidding me? You gave up 30 points to Devontae Graham. This team is a joke right now. His highest effort of the season. You know what? It was probably his highest career mark, too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up. I know he got 31 okay last year. 31 looks to be some of his highest scoring efforts. But holy cow, guys. At what point... Are you just going to have some pride in your craft, in yourself, in your talent, in your team? And yeah, I'm going to be the one to be kind of a jerk about this and be all overreactive and be mad about it. But I don't see anyone else on any outlet really complaining too much. And why not? Is it because March Madness is going on and we can focus our, our attention elsewhere? This team needs to be held accountable. And like you see Casey Johnson... He's like actually giving the team some slight too. Like he's actually finally calling it. And I'm not saying finally, like he has to kind of be unbiased as a reporter, but he's like, man, what the heck is going on basically? So shouts to him for calling it as it is. But this is a joke. And I feel like it's warranted for us Bulls fans to be pissed off about it. 
I don't care that they didn't make the playoffs last season. You established a good team. You've seen teams do complete 180s with similar transactions in the offseason and have success doing so the whole year. So yes, you should be held to a higher standard and we can't keep saying, oh, injuries. We can't keep saying, oh, but you know, this really wasn't their year. The East is great. Or, oh, um, I don't know. They weren't good last year, so we really shouldn't have our expectations that high. BS. Shut up with that. No, they were a one seed in the East. They have good talent. They have two all-stars on the team. There's no excuse. The Pelicans blow. But we knew you were going to lose because that's the state of the Bulls right now. Don't trust them. Don't. Don't get your hopes up, as a matter of fact, for any of these games that could be even close to a loss. Unless the Bulls are playing like the Pistons at home. No, I think they're done playing the Pistons. But you get my point. Don't get your hopes up because then you will get hurt when they inevitably lose. That was my strategy going into this game. And that's being a Chicago sports fan sometimes. But you're on a road stretch now against three beatable teams. But you'll find a way to lose because, well, you're the Bulls and you stink on the road. You just lost your first two games of the road trip by double digits both at Milwaukee 126-98, then 126-109. Back-to-back games, they've given up 126. Yeah, we can't do that. You know, we can't give up over 120. Oh, awesome. Yeah, you could say that. And I could also say I'm 6'6", but those things aren't true. So you actually have to portray what you're saying differently. You're at Cleveland on Saturday. Huge game. Huge game. And you'll probably lose it. And you shouldn't, but you probably will. You're a game ahead of Toronto. You're a game ahead of Cleveland. This went from this team being to, oh my gosh, what if they get the one seed? They might fall to the play-in game. Are you kidding me? Where's the fire out of this team? Nowhere. Where's Billy Donovan? Cool, Billy Donovan calls a timeout two minutes into the game. Awesome. Show some heat. And speaking of which, no pun intended, but how about the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler in the scuffle? Say what you want about it, but at least they got some firepower in them. They're the number one seed, and they're trying to fight each other on the court. Like, at least you have some... I just spark in yourselves. Tristan Thompson had to be the one to instill it for that one game against the damn Pistons. Someone else, act like you want to win, please. Caruso kind of tries to do it, but I mean, what the hell? And yeah, it's a youthful, inexperienced squad. Understood. And again, I never had championship aspirations for this season or expectations for this season. The ceiling was the Eastern Conference Finals from the start, and even that would have been a huge accomplishment, of course. Now, I think Bulls fans would be happy if they could get out of the first round. Well, I know they would, but like that would even be like, wow, I can't believe they made it out of the... You might get the Celtics right now, and there's still plenty of games to go, and they're one and a half games back. It's just, it's incredible, the downfall of this Bulls team. It stinks to watch because we were so excited about this team, and rightfully so, after just these infuriating, embarrassing, dreadful years of Jim Boylan and all of that nonsense, and then you finally get on the right path and you get screwed by injuries, and you could use that excuse. I use that excuse many times, but now it's inexcusable. 
what what's the problem? Why are you guys not playing well against worse teams? And why not on the road? Why are you incapable of doing that? The court still has the same dimensions. Still 10 feet high. 15 feet from the charity strap, right? You know, the old Hoosiers pull out the tape measure. It's the same damn thing. It's not like New Orleans has elite the home court advantage. Yeah, Sacramento. Oh, you know what they say about playing in Sacramento? Always oh, tough for the road teams. Get the hell out of here. Figure it out. Hold someone accountable. Billy Donovan, come on. Show some damn adjustments. Bring some heat to your team. Because now you got to play a division rival in the fourth matchup in a game where the team is a game behind you toward the end of the season. Yes, they're injured. But at this point, man, I'm just sweating out my Darius Garland most improved player. I might as well root for the Cavs here. I'm not going to. But obviously, I'm just spitting out heat here because I'm ticked off. But by the way, Garland's now down to 6-1 to one for most improved player. We talked about him at 16-1. little side rant here, but hopefully you're able to get on that. John Morant's going to be out two weeks. Looking great. Knock on wood for our boy Garland. Back to the main point. I, <laughs> I don't trust him. How could you? And then on Monday, you're at New York against the Knicks who are still fighting for the playing game. You're better than them, but you probably won't play like it. Then at Washington, you're better than them, but you probably won't play like it. Then you get to be at home versus the Clippers. You're better than them. You're at home. They'll find a way to make it infuriating. Then you get the Heat loss, Bucks loss, Celtics better than you lost. Charlotte, you'll probably win. At Minnesota, no chance. No chance they win that game. Guys, I, I get it. I over-exaggerate. That's my thing. I give the uh, the pissed off fan takes right away. That's just how I am. I don't process a lot of things, and 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 I'm not rational about it from time to time from my fan perspective. But I every you know every time I would listen to someone on air, or every like growing up, or just some of these broadcasters, whatever it is, to a certain extent, you know, I wanted them to display these same emotions because I had, I, I felt it was. I felt it was appropriate for these guys to be held accountable and for them to catch this grief. And you are getting it. I get it for the Bulls, but it's just like, that's why I do this because I think I'm expressing the same sentiment that a lot of you Bulls fans have out there, that a lot of, of us Chicago sports fans have. If you're a Cubs fan like myself, you have endured the hardships of being a Cubs fan. That builds you up for a lot of tough times. But you can also hold people accountable because of expectations. After 2016, the expectations were held high because they were promised to be held high. Didn't live up to it. The Bears, oh, we still talk about the 85 Bears. What have they done since then? You can be mad about the Bears because it's been forever. The White Sox. The White Sox had some talent, couldn't put it through. You can be mad about that last season. You could be mad about the way the front office is dealing with some of their offseason transactions right now, for sure. With the Blackhawks, you can absolutely be pissed about how the organization conducted the off-the-ice scandals, their, the way they went about it, the way they stunk on ice this season. That's what being a Chicago sports fan is to me. In a big sports city with passionate, loyal fans, you are going to get criticized if you have high expectations and can't live up to it. Or if nothing changes. That's part of the gig here. 
And I love this Bulls team. I love all the Chicago sports teams. But I'm t- like, something's got to, I mean, there's got to be a fire lit under somebody's butt on this team or organization or something. Because what's happening right now is pathetic. You can lose at Phoenix. You can lose at Utah. You can lose at Milwaukee. Losing by double digits, yeah, that stinks. But you know what? You can't barely beat Detroit. You can't lose to the Kings. You can't lose to the Pelicans. Those are the disgusting games that you just can't sit well with. It just gives you that gross feeling that they might get swept in the first round for all you know. And that just blows, again, because we got so excited about this season, and even more so when they were doing well. With injured players, and you're like, oh my, can you imagine once we get everyone back? Well, we've got most people back. Nothing happening. Nothing good is occurring. So I don't know. That's how you're going to get it from me, though. I'm going to give it to you straight. Like, I could sugarcoat it. I could tell you, well, no, I mean, you know, hopefully Lonzo Ball can be back. And it'll be okay because, you know, maybe look at the Celtics or something. And, and they'll be fine. They'll turn it up, compose. No. I'm going to be realistic with you right now. This Bulls team can't win on the road during the regular season against inferior teams. How are they going to manage to do that without home court advantage against better teams in the playoffs? They won't. They don't have experience. And again... I'm saying that next year, even before this year, was really the year to win a championship in my mind based on having camaraderie, getting experience with these guys in the postseason, and maybe adding more talent. And that still is the case. But you need to do better than a first-round exit to prepare yourself for the next season. You need to get more experience. You can't just lose in the first round and then go all the way. I mean, you can, but I'm just saying like this Bulls team specifically. Who knows if DeRozan's going to come alive as much as he did this past year. He's getting older. Hopefully Levine's knee can stay healthy by next season and all that. But there's got to be a lot of changes to this Bulls team. Does that mean dishing out Kobe White finally? Yeah, probably does. You got to get another big guy who can kill you both ways. Vuce ain't cutting it enough. He's not. Sign Anthony Davis. I know he's injured. He's a Chicago guy. That's the type of guy you need to compete with Giannis, to compete with Joel Embiid, to compete with Jokic if you were able to match up against him. Those are the top guys in the NBA MVP race right now. Jokic, Giannis, Embiid. You need someone to counter him. Bam Adebayo could win Defensive Player of the Year. That's who the Heat have to counter him. Pascal Siakam with Toronto. That's who they can get the help. Valanchunas. A guy that can help. Steven Adams, a big body that helps. You get where I'm going. Even Robert Williams with the Celtics. Vooch, you can't put him in that category because he can't play defense. He doesn't elevate. I love Vooch. He's great. He can get on an offensive tear for sure. But you need someone else beside him to help. And Patrick Williams, I get it. He's right back in the mix. But he's not necessarily big enough to do it. Right? You want Patrick Williams more in the power forward slash small forward spot You don't see him as a center. You need a center. You need Vooch as your power forward. And then you work from there with DeRozan, with Levine, and then your point guard. Or excuse me. So you'd have DeRozan, Levine, Patrick Williams, Vooch, and then a center. So yeah, you could have Levine or DeRozan bringing the ball up for your starting five. Caruso, Kobe White, come off the bench. That's fine. Obviously, Lonzo Ball, you would want in that mix too. 
and you could go in and out with him and Patrick Williams or him in the center in that starting lineup, but you would have a lot different outlooks to work with, right? Toward the end of the game, that's when it really matters how your rotations look, not what it starts out with. So where are these adjustments going to be made? I haven't seen it from Billy Donovan. And sure, he can only do so much coaching. I get it. But man, this is bad. You just can't get your hopes up. Don't do it. Don't let yourself get hurt, folks. You know better as a Chicago sports fan. But a tough game from the Bulls. They had their moments again. They blow a late lead again. And they shot better. 51%. Pelicans shot 49%. We talked about free throws. The Pelicans were 7th. They made 32 out of 34 freaking free throws. Are you kidding me? I want to give them an award. I love when teams make their free throws. You only missed two out of 34. That is incredible. Bulls went 15 to 19. Thanks for coming out. You got out rebounded 43 to 33. They gave them 10 offensive rebounds. You only had four. Fast break points. They beat you there. Transition supposed to be your game. You didn't have it. Gross. Something's got to change. And again, I'm, I'm just to make it clear. Like, I love this Bulls team. As much as you guys do, I truly do. But again, I'm just a passionate fan, and I got to air out my grievances when I get the chance. And that's the beautiful thing about the city cast here is I get to kind of do that. Rush hour, got to be straight to the point, you know, maybe a little bit more professional because we got the national outlook. But I love getting time here to kind of just, again, air my grievances on Chicago sports teams because I'm sure you're feeling the exact same way. But from a realistic standpoint, maybe we just overhyped the Bulls too much. I just don't think we did, though. Because they were doing well. And I get that they were struggling against some of these top teams during the season toward the beginning. But at least it was closer, respectable losses. Except for that one Nets game. But again, they were still dealing with injuries throughout most of them. You just, I don't know, man. You needed more time to play with each other, I guess. And that's not going to be good in the playoffs. It is not going to be good. All right, well, now that have I, uh, I've exhausted all my energy ranting about the Bulls, let's talk a little bit of March Madness. How about last night? Gonzaga falling victim to Arkansas. Yikes, Gonzaga once again choking in the tournament. I mean, I'm kind of trying to, th- like, I was trying to think of a comparison, and, I, and when I was in the bar watching the game, I'm like, It's kind of like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers only having one Super Bowl and choking every single season after in the playoffs. Like they do tremendously well in the regular season and then do nothing in the postseason. But at least the Packers have won a Super Bowl with Rodgers. Gonzaga hasn't done squat. Gross. If you're betting them every year. (laughs) I mean, why do we keep trusting them? Oh, no, 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 no. This, this is the team this year. Did you see how they did in their conference? That's so, so good. Yeah, no. Um, Gonzaga loses. Shout out to Arkansas. Good win. Good for you. I bet Arizona. They disappointed. That stunk. I bet Duke. Hopefully you jumped on Duke. Everyone was on Texas Tech. Thought Duke was the better team. Texas Tech's defense, yeah, it'd be a force. But in the end, the playmakers would make the difference. And that's what happened with Duke. Coach K is set up beautifully now. How about it? Is he actually going to do it? I don't think so. But my goodness. I know about 75% of the country would be pissed 
probably more than that if Coach K ended winning the championship. But at this point, I mean, uh, who really cares, right? Unless it affects your bracket. I mean, I want Kansas. I took a future on Kansas. I have them in my lone standing brackets as of this point. Kansas has a favorable path. Knock on wood. We just saw Gonzaga lose. But how would you feel if Coach K won it on his last year? That would be epic. I'm not going to lie. And I know everybody has disdain toward Coach K and Duke. I've never really, like, I don't like Duke by any stretch of the imagination, but I never hated him. I mean, I'm not incredibly passionate about college basketball, of course, but I was never like, oh, there's Duke again. I hate this team. I hate Coach. No. I mean, whatever. It's college basketball. It's fine. If anything, I'd rather, like, see John Calipari lose in Kentucky because they always get bounced early. I mean, they did win. What, like 10 years ago? But still, that's been embarrassing for that program, for all the hype they get every year. Like, at least Duke can win a game or two in the tournament, and they'll bring exciting players to make them worth watching. So, yeah, Duke going on makes the product better. College basketball is really not that entertaining of a sport unless you like missing wide-open shots and unable to trust kids while you're betting on them. Besides March Madness, I can't really stand it. But, again, so I don't mind that Duke won. I mean, from a betting standpoint, yes, but of course, just from watch, like they have the top players. I'm not saying I want them to win, but them being alive up to this point, it's good for college basketball. It's good for the ratings. It's good for fans like me who are more casual, who can see the future of the NBA, knowing some of these guys more so than other teams, and at least having something to, like, if you hate Duke, well, it gives you something to root against more so, right? If it was like, I don't know, if it was, what, Houston and Arkansas, you think you'd give a crap about that game? No, you probably wouldn't. Or excuse me, is it uh, Texas Tech, pardon me. Yeah, if it was like Texas Tech and Arkansas. No, yes, Texas Tech and Arkansas. I'm sorry, Texas Tech and Houston because they're colors. For some reason in my head, sometimes I get them confused. But um, And they're both in Texas, obviously. But yeah, I mean, look, if it was Texas Tech and Arkansas, I would not care as much as if it were Duke and Arkansas, where you see Duke as a four-point favorite. That's more fascinating to me. How about Houston and Villanova? Houston's a favorite? Really? I'm just looking at these lines right now for the first time for the Saturday games. I love this Villanova team. They hit their free throws, baby. They don't turn the ball over. Beautiful recipe. You're giving me points? Yeah, I'm probably going to take Villanova there. Duke, I will probably find a way to take them. They're up to four, minus 180 on the money line. Probably wait in game. Good strategy with Duke. You could have done it the last game. We did it the other game on Sunday when they were plus 220 versus Michigan State. You're probably going to have a great opportunity to do it against the Razorbacks. As for the games tonight, quick previews on some of these. And don't forget, we've got Oscars to talk about in the second part of this episode. Brian Ortega. Associate producer at VEASAN did a great write-up, great segments on the network telling you how to bet the Oscars. So make sure you listen to the second part of this episode after we talk college hoops and how you can bet on some of these featured films. Yes, that's right. You can bet on them and you can make some good money. So Brian will help us out in the second part of this episode. But let's get into it with Friday's action of the Sweet 16, Purdue and St. Peter's. Purdue should roll. Will they roll? Apparently, it's National Peacock Day, so people want to take St. Peter's plus 650 on the money line. Uh, plain and simple, I'm not touching this game. Unless Purdue makes it tougher than it should be, which inevitably they will because they're a Big Ten team and it's an easy matchup this late. And you saw what Gonzaga did, so it wouldn't shock me. So, you know me. I'm sorry. It's annoying, but I'll wait for a better number in game. That's the way I would approach it. 
You may get it, you may not get it. If not, so be it. I'll be stuck in traffic on the way home from Rivers anyways, so uh, I'll check it on my phone every now and then, but I'm just expecting Purdue to roll, and I don't want to sweat out a 13-point favorite. And I don't want to trust a 15th seed in the Sweet 16 against this Purdue team. So, uh, yeah, no thank you on that game pre-flop. Kansas and Providence, this thing opened 8.5. Providence been getting some love. Now it's down to 7 at Bet Rivers. Jayhawks minus 305, Providence plus 245, total at 141.5. Again, probably just wait for a better number on Kansas. But I would, I'd feel a lot more comfortable laying 7 with Kansas than I would 13 with Purdue, honestly. Kansas is still arguably the, I mean, they're a one seed, so yes, of course they're arguably the best team. But like Providence, I'm just, people weren't sold on them coming into this tournament. And I get, you know, Kansas may not be the prettiest of teams in terms of how they look throughout the course of a whole game. But again, these guys had a couple days off here, a few days off, more than a few. They're ready. The better team is going to win this game in that matchup, and that is Kansas. Of course, the question is by how much and how early can they get out ahead, if at all. Because you got to ask yourself, you know, if they just go out there and dominate from the start, are you, you're not going to get that good in-game number. But I mean, look, who Providence played Richmond in South Dakota State. Yes, they beat both of them by double digits, but come on. Kansas made it close against Creighton for a second, but Creighton has the capability of doing that. I think people might be a little overzealous on the Friars here. So look for a way to bet Kansas. That's how I'm going to approach it, whether it's if the line comes down far enough or an in-game better number on Kansas. That's how I will bet that game. North Carolina and UCLA, my goodness. Uh, we've talked about this one. North Carolina, frustrating as hell. UCLA, I think, is the better team. But if North Carolina is hitting their threes and getting to the line, they can beat anybody. But if you're UCLA... You take a page out of what Baylor did defensively with the press, and you implement that at some point in this game, I would imagine. Kind of like the over, total 141. A little bit shaded there, minus 113. I know UCLA has a better defense, but North Carolina will find a way to score, and UCLA will too. So I'd probably bet the over. I want to take UCLA, but there's just no way I want to sweat out betting this game. So that's why, if anything, pre-flop, I think I might entertain betting the over but i do lean ucla incredibly infuriating game we were talking with danielle avari host of the los angeles city cast on rush hour last night and i was like well you know if ucla is a team that kind of gets down to an early lead because the tar heels can't shoot lights out do you trust them coming back she's like i think of the remaining teams in the tournament they're the best suited to come back from a deficit so if that does happen hey maybe take a solid number with ucla going to be a volatile game i am sure but ucla is the better team will they play like the better team i think north carolina again based on what we saw on sunday you can scheme pretty well against north carolina i get it their top guy got ejected that's huge completely but they've had time to prepare for it i think uh was it Cronin, the head coach? Right? Mickey, let me see. Yeah, Mick Cronin. That's right. See, I know my college basketball here and there. Yeah, Mick Cronin's a solid coach. 
And you know my thoughts on Herbert Davis and how terrible he looked against Baylor. So I got a little bit more faith in him. If you feel so inclined to bet it, would lean UCLA, maybe entertain the over a little bit more so. But the game that I did make, the first bet I made this week and for the round of Sweet 16 is the Miami Hurricanes, baby. They keep getting steamed up. Iowa State Open is a very slight favorite. Now it's Miami minus three at Bet Rivers. I will say it's scary. I haven't heard anyone on the Cyclones. That's because the Iowa State is just not a good team. I mean, they're not as good as Miami. Let me correct that. Miami, we took minus a buck 40 on the money line. Now they're up to minus 160 at Bet Rivers. Total 131 and a half. Look, I told you, I mean, I actually had this matchup in a lot of my brackets, and I had Miami winning this game. I didn't like Wisconsin. I figured Iowa State could move on and yeah, try to be different and upset some teams. And same with Miami. I didn't like Auburn. Miami can shoot, again, lights out at any point. They can shoot all around the perimeter and a lot of guys who can do so. They can push you in transition. They're very lengthy, lanky, however you want to call it. And I think they're just really speedy and they'll just wear you out. And Iowa State's got a good big down low. I just fear they won't be able to keep up with the shooting. The market's telling you they think the same way too. So look for a way to bet Miami. That's my official play for the night. And that's probably the lone college basketball play pre-flop that I'm going to be rolling with. I do got a couple hockey plays tonight, so be sure you check out Rush Hour. But that's really the only action I got for this evening. Otherwise, everything else probably going to be in-game. And it's fine to do in-game. I'm telling you, it's a better strategy. Gonzaga didn't come through with the in-game. That was unfortunate. But for the most part, every other situation has been fairly sound. And and just for an example, too, really quick, like that Arizona and Houston game, Arizona should have been down by a lot more, it seemed. Right? I mean, they were kind of keeping it close, but she knew, you know, Houston was getting every damn call. Arizona couldn't catch a break. And the way that like, you can just understand the momentum of some of these games, like, you know, who's going to break away and who's kind of getting luckier and all this and that. So my point is Arizona cut it to what, maybe two, four at some point. And even though I had Arizona deep down, I'm like, eh, it's not going to be enough. Like Houston's going to win this game. You could just tell by the inexperience of Arizona with the coaching and the players. So even if you were laying, say, maybe four and a half, five and a half, six and a half with Houston, I mean, they won by 12. It's not bad to still lay somewhat of a higher spread with an in-game bet because you have an idea of how these teams are playing, how they're conducting themselves, who's getting better calls, who's attacking the rim more, who's out-rebounding one versus the other, who's hitting their free-throw shots, who's hitting their open three-point opportunities. All of those type of things are already factored in because you're watching. So pre-flop laying that number, I'm not as attracted to it because I'm not, I'm, I don't know how those teams are doing in those categories, but in real time, even though you're still laying a higher spread, you understand that, hey, Houston's actually doing really well in those categories. And with the late game falling, that's going to add to their score. So that's okay in my mind, at least, to look at laying points in game. A lot of times I try to get the dog for sure, but in situations like that, not a bad angle either. So really just pay attention to these games. Try to pay attention to the little things, like the turnovers, like who's missing open shots, who seems to be getting all of these foul calls, because it seemed like Houston was on every possession. Arizona had no answer for him defensively. Arizona, they had a couple guys who kept turning the ball over left and right. They missed wide open threes or hitting the side of the backboard. Houston looked more energetic. You can tell pretty early. And if you can't, 
You can tell by the start of the second half, once you get down to like the 14-minute mark, that's when you should get a good idea of who you want to jump in on with a live bet. We'll see if we could get any of those situations tonight. You might get it in that UCLA-North Carolina game and the Kansas-Providence one, but probably more so North Carolina and UCLA. See who's getting fouled more in UCLA-North Carolina. Who's hitting their open threes? And when you're driving to the rim, are they good at keeping their hands up, staying on your feet, not doing dumb fouls because they're tired or lazy or bad positioning? Who's boxing out better? Pay attention to that in that UCLA-North Carolina game, and that's how you can look for a good in-game bet. But that's how I'm approaching the Sweet 16 for Friday night. Let me know what you're betting. Tweet at me at DannyBurke5. Uh, coming up next here on the CityCast, remember we've got Brian Ortega of VEASAN joining us to talk about betting the Oscars. That's right. How can you bet on these awards? How are the How is the Academy going to bet them? Well, Brian will tell us all that info, his background information, how he got into it, and how you can look to make some coin for the Academy Award Show. Coming up next, it is the Chicago CityCast presented. By Bet Rivers. No football, no problem, because Bet Rivers Sportsbook serves up tennis, soccer, hockey, college, pro basketball, and much more. So don't miss out on Bet Rivers' many daily specials or try your hand at live player props or same game parlays. No matter what you bet on, you can count on your withdrawal approval happening fast, with more than 80% of withdrawals approved instantly at Bet Rivers. So get started with life after football with the Bet Rivers app. Okay, welcome back to it here on the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Of course, Danny Burke, your host here live in the Windy City. We're going to switch it up a little bit. Don't worry, we're still talking all things betting, but we're taking a step out of the sports realm. And we're going to talk some Oscars. That's right, baby. We're talking some featured films, movies, whatever you want to call it. If you're, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I don't know if you're a stickler about what you call these movies, films, because I know some people are, especially when you get around to the Oscars. But nevertheless, we've got a special guest helping us handicap all of these awards. And that's Brian Ortega does fantastic work with us at VEASAN. And you can give Brian a follow on Twitter at Brian Ortega B7 is the handle. So he went on a numbers game this past week with Gil Alexander dishing out all his good info. And he did a write up and you could check it out at VSIN.com. So Brian, thank you for making some time, my man. Appreciate it and happy to have you on the show. And before we get into these specific odds, let me just kind of get a little background. I mean, have you always been in love with the Oscars, this award show, looking at a betting angle or movies in general? Like what's kind of your background in this specific region? Of course. So for something like this, I mean, you have to really just love films. And I've also really enjoyed watching the Oscars as well, because the thing is, is the most popular movie doesn't always win. And I think that's the most important thing to understand. It's a very unique system of how they how they actually rank all of these uh, best picture uh, participants. And really, it just depends on what the Oscars or the Academy is looking for. But I've also just watched the Oscars ever since I can remember. I think Gladiator in 2000 is when it when it won. And ever since then, I've watched it every wow. single year, some years better than others. <laughs> but um, definitely, this is going to be a good year, I think. Awesome, man. And, and hey, I think you bring up a good point because a lot of novice people, I guess you could say betting in general, but probably for something like this to where you don't know 
how the academy is going to vote. It's in a sense similar as I try to correlate it with sports, but we talk about futures bets all the time and how these odds aren't necessarily reflective of how people are going to vote. We talk about that with NBA futures awards a lot and how we were able to make some good money and the way you're kind of talking about it makes it seem like that could be a very similar thing to the Oscars. And I guess what you have to do from your perspective is of course, I would assume actually watch the films, kind of do your background information on it, but try to get into the minds of these voters, right? And and how they may choose one over the other. How do you look to strategize in that sense? I know it kind of alters with each award and category, but how do you try to get into the mind of some of these voters and think why they might choose one over, uh, over the other? Certainly, yes. Yeah. So watching the movies is definitely important. It's a it's a part of it. So you can get, you know, your personal experience with the film. Um, but then with that, you have to sort of get into the minds of the Academy voters. Um, and then the really the first big marker in terms of knowing what the award season is going to look like is the Golden Globes. Typically, that's usually the first big award show. Um, it's been kind of tumultuous, tumultuous, excuse me, for the past uh, year and a half. Just they've gone through a lot of changes. Um, but they're still kind of the benchmarker for what we're looking for. So this year they awarded Power of the Dog, which right now is the 125 favorite at Bet Rivers, um, best picture. That's usually a good indicator of who's going to be running the award season. But really you have to, if you're going to be betting on this, you have to watch and see which awards are being handed out at all the award shows. So the big ones, if you need to look, if you want to look back at them, are the SAGs, the Screen Actors Guild Awards. That's usually for the actors and actresses. And then also the BAFTAs, which is the British American uh, Film Academy, which is sort of the British version of the Oscars. And then also the really big one is the PGA, which when I say it's really big, that's really important for best picture because they're the ones who typically will tip their hand to who is going to be winning the best picture award. And do you sometimes, I mean, I don't know if these bets are available in time for the Oscars or if they get posted after, but has there been a scenario to where you may get a better value on a film before those specific awards, or are they usually not posted till after those are announced? So I actually started looking up these uh, a bit ahead of time. I would say at least a month in advance of the Oscars. So the Oscars this year is on Sunday, March 27th. So if you look, you know, into February, because that's typically when award season is, is most of February, some of March, but the big one is, is Academy Awards. You really could get value on long shots, especially this year. Most of the time, the winner is going to be the winner. Uh, like Power of the Dog was the big winner at uh, the, the Golden Globes. They also won at the BAFTAs. But this year, it's very interesting um, for the second shot, which is Coda. Coda right now is plus 100. If you want to know where they started, at least a month ago, they were at 14 to one. Wow. And through in just a month, they've already become the, you know, second favorite, if you will, plus 100, having a plus 100 shot and a minus 125 shot in power of the dog is very rare. You usually have the best pictures kind of already known. It's kind of just waiting for that to happen, but this year can be very, very exciting. Wow. That's huge movement. And that really tells a lot. I'm sure in an event like the Oscars, I mean, we see line movement in sports and that kind of shows you a flag popping up, but even more so in an award to not saying anyone has inside info, but people kind of have a better understanding. I'm sure in that getting a lot of traction from as high as 14 one now down to even money is the second short shot. Like you alluded to is pretty fascinating. And like you said, I mean, at bet rivers in Indiana, the closest that you could go to bet this, or I'm sure you could find other outlets or if you're doing your work pool, but the power of the dog is minus minus one twenty five. Coda 
like you mentioned, is even money. Belfast is 14 to one West side story, 40 to one along with King Richard. So tell us your handicapping process, where you got your number with what film you bet and what you would still recommend as of this point. Certainly. So I would, so I wouldn't bet. This is just kind of my thing about betting the Oscars. It's a fun thing to bet. It's not something that you, you know, can professionally do over the year, but you want to bet stuff with plus money if, if you can, but this year, actually, if you'd want to bet power of the dog at minus one twenty five. As the favorite, go ahead. It's it's the overwhelming favorite for a lot of the award season. But if you want plus money, I mean, Coda plus 100, I would say it's a two-horse race. It's going to be Power of the Dog or Coda. But really what I'm looking at, so I'm looking at the movies, um, what I enjoyed, what I think the Academy would enjoy. And I have to say that a lot of the movies this year, like Power of the Dog, um, I would say uh, Don't Look Up, Nightmare Alley, those movies are, are, are very dark. They're very, you know, methodically moving um, and they're kind of sad. Um, Coda is sort of this heartfelt story of this family who, you know, is hearing impaired and one of the children isn't. Um, and they like to sing. It's kind of a thing. But it's one of those things where we can relate with that, with parents not understanding our dreams and wanting to do, you know, what we want to do, but they can't enjoy but at the end, it kind of finds it all the way back together. And it's really a feel-good story. And I think the Academy likes to reward feel-good stuff, if they can, but feel-good things that also counterpoint with, uh, like, social issues, which this would be, like, sort of the, 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 the hearing-impaired community. And I think that might actually say something. But I think if you want to look at a more, you know, stat line, if you will, CODA won the PGA, the Producers Guild of America Award for Best Picture which that is a huge thing because they typically will show who's going to be winning at the Oscars. If you ever look at the Oscars or watch them, the people who accept the award for best picture is usually the producers. So that's definitely an, uh, an award to look out for. So I would, I, that's how I usually handicap it. And you have to sort of take the <clears throat> human element into it for like best actor, best actress. Um, those are things that you have to watch the, the performance and also some people are just due who have been there for a long time. Brian Ortega joining us talking about betting the Oscars. Gotta love it. So many things you can wager on. And I know a lot of people love handicapping these type of awards. And Brian has been doing it for quite some time. Did a fantastic write-up at vsin.com. Make sure you check it out, vsin.com. And as always, you can follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Ortega B7 is the handle. Brian, let's move on to some other awards that we can delve into for Sunday, starting with best actor. So you got Will Smith and King Richard is kind of the overwhelming favorite here, minus a thousand. Benedict Cumberbatch and Power of the Dog is five to one. Andrew Garfield and Tick Tick Boom is 14 to one. Then the list kind of goes on and on with a lot longer shots. Is there any chance for an underdog to come about and surprise with the award for best actor, or is it really Will Smith or nothing? So, yeah, so I mean, you would think award major award um for this category at the bath uh, he he wasn't nominated at the bath excuse me which was actually very interesting that that wasn't that didn't happen but he did win at uh, the golden globes he won at the sags the uh, critics choice awards and i think this is his award although that's what everybody said about last year with chadwick boseman who uh, shockingly lost to um sir anthony hopkins which i guess <laughs> nothing can be you know guaranteed i suppose so I would not take any money on Will Smith at minus a thousand right now because that's, you know, there's no value there. And he's really been there the entire season. Mm -hmm. uh, 
But, I mean, if you want to try, you know, your shot, I would say it's Benedict Cumberbatch at plus 500. Um, it's a really sort of subtle performance, which it's also part of the best picture categories because it's Power of the Dog. So I would go with Benedict Cumberbatch, Denzel Washington, Andrew Garfield, just not this year. Um, although Andrew Garfield did do a great job in Tick, Tick, Boom. But um, I think five to one for Benedict Cumberbatch is the play here. Right, but, but, you, gotta... you know, for a, for a, for a long shot, not, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, right. wouldn't put too much hopes on it. Yeah, no, I got you completely understood. But, you know, Brian, we got at least a little bit more parody in the Best Actress for the Oscars. Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye is minus 182, so she is the favorite. But, again, not too big of a variance because he got Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos at plus 350, Olivia Coleman, the lost daughter, at plus 550, Kristen Stewart and Spencer at plus 650, Penelope Cruz and Parallel Mothers at 8-1. to one. So this one seems like you have a lot of options unless you think it's the short shot in Chastain. But where do you maybe seek out value for best actress? Certainly. So I would say, so Nicole Kidman did win at the Golden Globes, which is this is important, but ever since then, it's been Jessica Chastain's uh, season. But I like Nicole Kidman at plus 350. She's playing Lucille Ball, which is a television icon, American icon, really. And one thing about the Oscars that everyone, you know, kind of knows this, is they love to, re uh, they love to reward things that talk about themselves, which that would be giving it to Nicole Kidman. Um, and I think she did a great job. Some people didn't like her because, they, because they're maybe too close to the material, if you will. But I like Nicole Kidman at plus 350. Um, I also like uh, Chris, uh, Kristen Stewart in Spencer. Um, the movie was okay. So uh, actually, important thing to understand about this category is that none of these actresses' movies are actually nominated in the best oh, uh, picture category, which is very unique. It's never happened before where every uh, actress is nominated for this category, but not in the best picture category. So it's kind of hard to go off of that or get sort of a look to see where we're going but Kristen uh Kristen Stewart played uh Princess Diana um which is always a very polarizing figure that people sort of uh lock eyeballs to and this is kind of a different take on her story she's been kind of quiet through award season but at plus 650 I would maybe take a little a, a little sprinkle on that um Olivia Coleman's the other uh sort of middle shot she's at plus 550 at uh, Bet Rivers and she won two years ago uh for the favorite um, she is a favorite of the Academy, but I don't see them handing it out to her again just because of how tight this race is. Jessica Chastain at minus 182, I think, has a really good shot at winning this. She's been nominated three times before and hasn't been awarded yet. And she's always known for taking very challenging roles. And I think this is a very showy performance. It shows a physical change throughout the movie as well as an emotional one. And sort of, you know, it's uh, it's a very, very big but also very controlled performance by Jessica Chastain so um, Penelope Cruz her role is for Parallel Mothers which is an, more of an international film it's in Spanish the Academy is becoming much more international so you have to look at that going forward in the Oscars but I don't see her winning this year with this crop of uh, talent. Danny Burke talking with Brian Ortega handicapping the Oscars this Sunday plenty of betting opportunities all around Brian had a great write up at vsan.com also join Gil Alexander on a numbers game so you can get more of that content again at vsin.com slash subscribe 
Well, Brian, we've gone over kind of the big three, right? We've gone over best picture, best actor, best actress, best directors, kind of a far and away favorite with Jane Campion, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, with the power of the dog minus 10,000. Whether you got something in that, whether you got something in a different category, Brian, what are maybe some of your other bets that maybe you didn't bet, but even if you did or didn't, some you're kind of just suggesting to people or one to keep an eye on perhaps. Yeah, so I'll give you the two that you should not bet on. These are locked up. They're basically in these uh, these uh, uh, contenders' houses at this point. Jane Campion at minus 10,000. Um, she's won every Best Director Award since then. She'll probably take that award. And also, typically, in the last 10 years, this is kind of a going back to Best Picture, usually whoever wins the Best Director typically will win the Best Picture. But it's only about 50% in the last 10 years. So... If you want to go off of those stats, then be my guest, but we'll see how it goes this year. Another one to stay away from, I would say, is Best Supporting Actress, um, Ariana DeBose from West Side Story. She plays um, uh, she plays Anita, uh, a titular character in that uh, film. She's at minus, uh, I believe that's 3,300 um, or minus 3,000 almost at this point. Uh, I would stay away from there uh, just because she's also won every one of the awards. This would be the third time that the award went to the same character. And that would be, if you want to know the history of this, it would be Anita for West Side Story, obviously. She also won in 1961. Um, also, uh, The Godfather was the first one with uh, Marlon Brando, who won for Rito Corleone, and then Heath Ledger and, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Joaquin Phoenix for The Joker. So just a little fun, fun history, but she's going to win that category. So one that I would actually look at is Best, adapted screenplay which i think is kind of an interesting look right now because power the dog was the favorite up until you know a couple weeks ago but they've actually slid down to plus 150 and coda is now in the lead at minus 225 so if i was looking at something i would maybe look at power the dog winning best adapted screenplay this is going to be very interesting uh to see where this goes um i so just personal thing i love coda i think coda was my favorite one of my favorite movies that's in the academy this year um but i think you might want to take a stab at power of the dog at plus 150 um lost daughters is plus 800 every all most of these are typically two horse races so you kind of have to look at two uh short shots um let's see i would also say this one more i would say best song is kind of an interesting category everyone thinks it's going to be going to billy eilish for uh the james bond uh film uh, maybe look at uh, Dos Origatas, um, which is uh, from Encanto, which is a very popular animated film. Animated films do pretty well in the original song category, and uh, Dos Orientos is plus 225. So might be looking at that instead of No Time to Die, which is uh, minus 305, just you know, to take a little sprinkler. I like it. I like it. And really quick, just going back to the best adapted screenplay. Now, I understand it's kind of going off, you know, which film did its best from something already established, whether it was a novel or kind of what, just a recreation of a film per se. But uh, going into a little bit more, how correlated is the award winning that one with the best picture? I mean, is that usually a direct correlation or does it differentiate pretty often? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. So typically for best screenplay, whether it's adapted or original, it is a good indication to see who might win the uh, best. Uh, the best picture category. Um, I don't have the exact numbers, but typically in past years, if you win the best screenplay uh, adapted or original, you do have a good shot at winning best picture. Because usually, just like many actors say, um, 
if it's not a good script, then it's probably not going to be a very good movie. So typically, if it's a good screenplay, you typically have a best picture on your hands. Yeah, and that's fascinating, too, because if you're getting CODA, say, for like best adapted screenplay or what you were talking about script and you have to lay minus 225, you, it, would, it would almost be more advantageous just to take them even money for best picture, which could be, of course, part of your strategy you're looking into. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So if I yeah. So if I'm looking, I, I think that Power of the Dog is going to win a best adapted screenplay just because really she's been working, uh, Jane Campion has been working on this script for, you know, 10 years, 10, 15 years. She's been wanting to make it for so long. And they're typically very hard to make, but it's a very unique um, film by, by uh, style. And it's very driven by direction and, and the script. Coda, which also is obviously script focused because there's lots of, you know, dialogue for the most part, um, is very ensemble driven. So I think they're going to reward the difficulty of really taking the original piece, the uh, book, the book, Power of the Dog, and creating um, a good screenplay. So, but yeah, I would definitely maybe just take Coda plus, you know, plus 100 instead of Power of the Dog. Um, yeah, you're kind of hedging your bets at that point, sort of. <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, Brian Ortega, folks, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Brian Ortega B7, where you can follow him on the tweets. Great work over at VSIN and an awesome job handicapping this year's Oscars. Brian, thank you for all the insight, the analysis, and hopefully some winners, my man. Enjoy it and best of luck. Thank you very much. And you too, Danny. Have a good uh, rest of your day. All right, big shout out to Brian Ortega for joining the show. Always like to switch it up, especially during award season. There are plenty of other ways you can make some money in terms of betting and outside of the sports world. So shout out to Brian Ortega. That's going to wrap it up for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you to everybody for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe the podcast so you get notified when it's released right away. And just always appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny Burke 5 You can Tune in to Rush Hour tonight, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, Marquee Sports Network, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, you know the drill. We're all over the place, baby, so make sure to check it out. You get a national perspective. You get some hockey plays for myself. You get Greg Hoops Peterson, the college basketball guru himself, who handicaps and sets lines for every single college basketball game. He'll be joining the show. And also we'll be joined by Nick Alberga. Does great fantasy hockey work for Sportsnet, one of my favorite hockey guests. Him and I will be going back and forth talking about the hockey slate, but I'll talk more about college basketball, my plays there, and in hockey. And again, you just get different viewpoints aside from everything Chicago and, well, for this episode, aside from movies. But we did love talking about the films, but thank you again for joining us. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Hopefully the Bulls can switch our attitude around. Hopefully we can get some sweat-free college basketball bets. You know that's impossible, but we can hope for it. So until Monday, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe out there, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll catch up later.